We are less than a day away from what is going to be another huge and historic match between the U.S. and Mexico. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. Already in California is Ivis Galarcep, who's enjoying the best coast, which is the West Coast. Ivis, what's cracking, man? Nothing much, Garrett. I'm uh, I'm in downtown Los Angeles. I can see the Staples Center from my hotel window, hanging out, getting ready for the big game on Saturday. I've been in Cali since Sunday with the U.S. team covering their training camp. And uh, I got to tell you, man, there's a lot, obviously a lot of buzz about this game. Um, and it's it's going to be a great one, man. It's going to be it's 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 going to be pretty epic. Every game between the U.S. and Mexico is epic. I mean, I know it's the friendlies don't man. carry the this same weight, but I know this is like this is, the hey, next I'll level. Tell you what. This, this is the is next my, level. This, listen, this is like my eight, and I'm not exaggerating. This is like my 18th or 19th USA Mexico game. And I mean, nothing will top the World Cup game. That was the whole yeah. I was just saying, I mean, is, is, is this closer to 2002 World Cup game? Yeah, World Cup's all another thing. I, and I was there in South Korea for that. Um, but this game almost ha- this game is more has more buzz than even the past World Cup qualifiers. Um, and not to say it's more important, but it has more it, more. There's been more buildup. Obviously, uh, there's you know there's been months of buildup, and the fact that there is the tickets of the Confederations Cup on the line. And I know some people will say, oh, what does that even matter? Who cares about the Confederations Cup? But it matters. It's just, it's just bragging rights. Number one and number two, there is something to be said for going to the Confederations Cup and getting helping prepare you. For the World Cup, helping prepare you for just being in the host country, and obviously it's in Russia. For now, it's in Russia uh, this time around, and you know <laughs> if the U.S. wins that game, they have a chance to go through that. But it's really more about bragging rights. It's really more about being able to say we beat you, we own you, we are the kings of Concacaf. I love how you pause when you said it's going to be in Russia, as if like they're going to move it. It's not going to happen. I, Come on, I, I, stop it. Listen, all I'm going to say is. Stop there's it. A of, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. I agree, but you they're not going to move that. Come it could, on. There could be a war. It could be. I mean, listen, Russia and U.S., there's a lot of tension going on. There's, oh, they'll be fine. You know, look, I'm just saying, you can't take things for granted. And let's just say, hopefully, there's nothing crazy going on, and it, it, is, in, it is in Russia. Um, but whatever. Back to the point. There is some benefit to it. Of course. Uh, I had a chance to talk to some of the guys today, Clint Dempsey, Josie Outsdorf. They both said that, look, you know, uh, you not only is it about going to the country that's going to be the host and getting to experience the country that the world cup will be in. It's also the competition itself. And, and you know what, the trophy may not matter to some countries, to some people, but you still get the opportunity to play against top competition. Mm-hmm. And obviously in 2009, the U S was able to be in a Confederations cup. So they had the opportunity to play Brazil twice. They had an opportunity to play Spain. They beat Spain and one of the most epic victories in national team history. Uh, they had Brazil on the brink in the final 2-0, and then obviously they blew the lead and they lost 3-2. But that is invaluable experience, and the U.S. wants to be able to have that. And then, of course, there's the bragging rights, which is still, for me, I think the most important fact, because you cannot lose to Mexico. I agree. It is, look, it, as much as it is, yes, the bragging rights, is you want to be Mexico. I mean, it just adds it sweeter. I mean, it would have been great if the U.S. was able to automate a qualify, but, I mean, now you... I mean, look, if the U.S. is able to win on Saturday, you're right. I mean, that is huge bragging rights. Plus, you know... U.S. has played top-tier international teams. This is just another added bonus with that pressure. I mean, teams have already qualified for it. Russia, Germany, Australia, Chile. I mean, to me, with those four, then you add in whoever from Europe, you add in whoever's going to be from Africa. I mean, those are that's a solid tournament of eight teams. I know Tahiti made it last year. 
that probably will never happen again, a team like that making it. But, I mean, to face potentially seven teams, I mean, you're not going to face all seven, but to face some teams to get the international experience for some guys, I mean, that that's huge. A lot it on the matters, line man. for the it U.S. It does matter. Last, it does the matter. last Confederation Cup the U.S. was in, they played Brazil and Italy in the group stages. Uh, and then they got to play Spain, who end, ended up going on to win the World Cup in 2010. They played them. They beat them. They got to play Brazil again. Exactly. So that's four games. Four games against top competition in an official tournament. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? People can crap on the Confederation Cup all they want and say how it doesn't matter. It does but matter. But there is something to it. Um, but you know what? Again, getting back to it, it's more for me, it's still more about the rivalry. It's still more about USA-Mexico. It's about not... Losing to them. And let's not forget now, Jurgen Klinsmann has yet to lose to Mexico. He has never lost in his entire life. Forget in his life. Player, coach, he's never lost. He's, he's I think he's 10 games. 10 games. 10 games he's never lost to Mexico as a player or coach. So I think he wants to keep that intact. And we'll see if he can do it. Well, I got a jinx it, Ivis. Come on. I'm just saying, look, this isn't a secret. <laughs> people, know, people know that he's never lost to Mexico. So we'll see if he still has that... Uh, because, listen, that's a pretty good card to have in your arsenal if you're going to be the U.S. coach is, hey, I don't lose to Mexico ever. If you if that, if that you have that in your repertoire, you're going to be okay. You're going to be pretty safe. And, and I know uh, to some people, <clears throat> Landon Donovan, Jurgen Klinsmann shouldn't be safe, but we'll see. If he wins this weekend, I think he's adding an extra coating of uh, Teflon to that, uh, you know, to that job that he has. He does, but, but what if he loses, though? He's keeping it regardless. We'll get look. We'll get to the game yeah. later. But I think I, I know people want to hear about the game. But we're gonna see, look. That's the main course. We have to get through the appetizers, through the first course. We got to talk MLS. We got to talk about the U.S. Olympic qualifying campaign. We'll get we'll, we'll get to that first, and then we'll make you sit through that, and then we'll get to the good stuff. Yes. And speaking of making you sit through things, there were two midweek major league soccer games this week. Only two, Ivis. Those will be very brief. Uh, on Wednesday. New York Red Bulls defeated the Montreal Impact two to one. You know, for New York, another big win for them, creating some massive space in the Eastern Conference at this point. I mean, it's theirs to lose the number one spot in the Eastern Conference for Montreal. I mean, look, they have a lot of games in hand. They need to start picking up points. They had a lot of games. That's in true. Hand. They had a lot of games in hand. I mean, look, Mon- Orlando City, in, Orlando City is a point out is knocking on the door. Montreal midweek game against New York. I mean, these are points that Montreal cannot drop at all at this point of the season. Well, look, it's a tough game. Obviously, you go on the road, you're playing the Red Bulls. Red Bulls are so good at home. I mean, obviously, Orlando managed to destroy them. But other than that, the Red Bulls have been really tough at home. Uh, this was an impressive win for them. Obviously, they're missing Matt Miazga. Uh, they had to shuffle some things around. Uh, and they, they came out, and they, it was a professional victory for them. Uh, obviously, Ambrose yeah, Ayungo it helps helped when, them. It helps when you're up a man hard. for, like, 90 minutes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that helped. Look, that helps, no question. But you know what? Opportunities come, and, and things go your of way, course. and you got to take advantage of them. And um, credit to them. They held on. It was 2-1. to one. Things could have got a little hairy, but they held on. Red Bulls are in, in – they're in, look, they're in pole position for the Supporters' Shield, and they're looking good for it. They're looking good for it. And you know what? It, I <laughs> It's going to get back to the same old thing. Supporter Shield. Does it matter? Does it not matter? Yes, it, it matters. It matters a little, but it doesn't matter as much as it should. Because here's what it comes down to, folks. The schedule in MLS is not a balanced schedule. So does the Supporter Shield really mean that the Red Bulls are the best team in the league? No, it does not mean. Because you know what? They play a weaker schedule than the teams in the West. It's not even close. They have two expansion teams in the East, and they get to play those teams six times. 
and, and you know, as opposed to the teams in the West that get to play those teams twice. So from that standpoint, it, it, you can understand why a lot of teams, a lot of coaches, a lot of players, they don't care all that much about the Supporter Shield. I've said it before. I'll say it again. You know who cares about the Supporter Shield? Teams and fans whose team has never won anything. If your team has never won an MLS Cup, the Supporter Shield is gold to you. The Supporter Shield is like uh, vindication. It's it, 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 it's validation. It's a first step towards reality. And I tell you what, folks, when your team wins the Supporter <laughs> Shield and then wins an MLS Cup, guess what? You all of a sudden forget about. You forget about the you forget about the Supporter Shield. You're like, what? What's that? It's all it's all about it's all about the MLS Cup, folks. That's what it's about. Uh, and not to rain on the Red Bulls parade, but look, it would be an absolutely impressive accomplishment if they win two and three years. That does means something it means that this organization is finally kind of straightened things out they after so many years of incompetence ineptitude they they're, they're stabilizing and they're becoming a top team in the league and that's something that the league needs the league as much as i know people hate to hear it especially from you know smaller markets they hate to hear the idea that mls needs a strong new york team but it does and it's been good for the league that the red bulls have figured things out finally for New York, it matters, man. This is their, only their second trophy, Ivis. Come on. Like I said, it matters if your team has never won anything bigger. And when the Red Bull, when if it I'm won sorry, the unless team, you're the Galaxy, the Supporters Shield does matter for every team. Unless it you're the does Galaxy, not. yes, it does. Listen, Bruce Arena wouldn't, he wouldn't pee on the Supporters Shield. That's the same. The Galaxy don't give two craps about the right. Supporters Shield. The to them, the Galaxy, the, the Galaxy, they're playing for the MLS Cup. I'm sorry, right, every other just, team is right, playing I'm, for the I'm Supporters saying, Shield. Hey, look, I'm gonna break it down. Just to give you an idea, and this is recent events now. We obviously had Jesse Marsh's comments, which he obviously backtracked on when he said, "I don't care about the Supporters Shield." He had the, he had the backtrack. Well, of course, here's you can't guy, you can't say that. Listen, here's the guy who's won an MLS Cup as a player. He's won he's won Supporters Shield. He's won everything as a player. So he meant it, but he can't say it, right? So that's one. Jim Curtin in his press conference for the U.S. Open Cup final, he came out and said, "There's two tro- there's two trophies you can win." That matter in in American soccer. There's there's MLS Cup and there's US Open Cup. Yeah, there was no mention of, of Supporters Shield. He didn't talk about Supporters Shield. He didn't care about Supporters. No com. No no nothing. That's because he knows he's never going to win but, the Supporters listen, Shield. Listen, and then Sporting Kansas City, right? They win the they win the US Open Cup, and they made up T-shirts to show the trophies that they've won, the silverware that they've won. They had and it had the two it had the two US Open Cups that they've won. It had the two MLS Cups that they've won. Guess what it didn't have on it? It didn't have the Supporters Shield that they won. And, and why is that? It's because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. And it, uh, sadly, it doesn't matter because of the unbalanced schedule. And it, that's why there, it, it, there is something to it. Like it's, a, it, it's, it's something to strive for when you haven't won it. It's like the, start, it's like the Silverware starter kit. You get that supporter shield, and it's like, okay, we're we're on our way to win the big prize. Somehow, but, San Jose didn't get that message a few years ago. Well, oh, Duke! San Jose's won multiple cups. They won in two thousand. I know, I know, I know. That's before Gumbu- your time. I know that was that was a low dig. I'm teasing. That's before your time. That when they did win. But I know some people are going to say, oh, but you know what? In other parts of the world, like the the, it's it's who that's wins? different though. They don't they don't have playoffs. Play, there is no playoffs number one, and they play a balanced schedule. Yeah. If every team in MLS played everybody twice, then there could be no arguments because everybody plays the same schedule. That is not what happens in MLS now. So for that reason, you kind of have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. And and you definitely cannot sit there and say because Team A has won Supporter Shield, they're the best team in the league. No, 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 not at all. 
not some at, people said that some people actually fight that and argue they're then just reality they don't know what they're talking about then they don't know they don't know what it is <laughs> there you go it's yeah uh <laughs> Well, New York, regardless, point is I have a second trophy in three years. So, well, hopefully second trophy in three years. As long as nothing goes too crazy for them. The other midweek game, FC Dallas, Vancouver Whitecaps, they played to a scoreless draw. Obviously, both teams, not much needs to be said. I mean, both teams had to be leaving this match, not too thrilled. Uh, match really didn't have that much energy. No team really took advantage. Um, and, and just look, a failed opportunity for both teams to really, you know, be able to to pull away with the Western Conference. I know it wouldn't be that much, but the Western Conference is so tight now that every single point matters. Literally, every point matters right now in the Western Conference. I listen. When we saw this schedule, when we saw these back to back games, you always you always felt like, look, these teams are going to beat each other up. These teams are going to take points off each other. In no scenario did I see both, either of these teams walking away with six points. It wasn't going to happen. These teams were going to beat each other up, and if they were lucky, they were going to come away with you know a couple of points, two or three points each. But it, it, it's uh, it, these teams are both good. Credit to them. FC Dallas, they've, they've been a real revelation. Vancouver has been a little up and down lately, but they're still a strong team. But, you know, this result obviously makes it a little, you know, when you talk about, forget this portion of the race, you're talking about the race in the West, the race for the top seeds in the West. And... Them, by them beating each other up, that's leaving the door open for teams like KC, Seattle to jump in there because you want to you want one of those top two spots to avoid having to play that knockout round game. And you know, I think the Galaxy will have one of those two spots, and then we'll see which of these teams come through for the second. One other quick thing, Ivis, before we move on to the U23 national team. The last time, let's see if you know this, we'll go into the, uh, you're, you know, you're the guru of everything it is, soccer. Last time a team won the Supporter Shield and won the MLS Cup. When is it, Ivis? Ah, man. Columbus Crew, 2008. Someone else before then. Or before recent. Then. Or recent. Oh, since then, someone else did it. Uh, Gotta be the Galaxy one of the years. There you go, Galaxy in 2011. So think about yeah. this. So the Galaxy also won in 2002. So since 2003, only two teams have won the Supporters' Shield and won the MLS Cup. So, validating your point, Ivis, that the Supporters' Shield does not prove that you're the best team. It just proves that you have the best longevity over the course of a season. Talking now, U23 men's national team, they took care of business in the group stage. They have now advanced to the semifinal of the CONCACAF Olympic qualifying, which will determine the teams from our region going to the 2016 Games in Rio. The U.S. still needs one more win. We'll talk about that here in a little bit on Saturday against Honduras to automatically qualify. However, looking at the U.S. in the group stage, Ivis, they took care of business. They outscored opponents 13-2. to I know against Panama, we'll talk about that. The performance between first half and second half. We'll get into that a little bit. Regardless, though, U23s took care of business. They defeated their opponents. They beat multiple opponents by multiple goals, which you need to do when you're the better team. Got to defeat the inferior opponents. And they put themselves in a good position. It was a good showing from the U23s in the group stage. No, it was a very good performance. And uh, the way they handled Panama, you have to give them credit. I'll say this. I, I thought Panama would be a better team in this tournament. Uh, you know, they obviously at the on the U20 level, they, they, they impressed and you thought maybe some of those guys would come up and help their U23s. You know, they they have Chen, who's a senior team players on that team. And I thought they were taking this tournament seriously, but the results didn't really show it. They got beat up by Canada pretty badly. And uh, you got to give Canada a little credit. Canada's the other team in their group that advanced. And, and you look back in that 3-1 victory for the U.S. And 
I remember, I mean, obviously some of us, including myself, you know, we, we criticized the U.S. a little bit. Even though they won, it wasn't the prettiest game. It wasn't the, the best game. But you want to give Canada a little bit of credit. They're probably a better team than maybe we gave them credit for being. But the U.S., they handled their business. Jordan Morris and Jerome Kaisvetter, I mean, that tandem is looking pretty damn good. Yes. And, and, and I remember when they named the roster and, and Rubio Rubin was, was not on it, you kind of wondered, uh-oh, what's going to happen now? Who's Morris going to partner with? And Kaisvetter's been a, been a real revelation. And both those guys didn't even start against Panama. They come off the bench and, and do their thing. And, and I really like how the midfield is, is come together. I know some people will look at Zellalem and say, why isn't he doing more? Why isn't he kind of, you know, He's playing like 10 ages up his age. I know, he's, yeah, he's playing. He's 18 years old playing against... U23 guys, and uh, it's, you know, he has time. But other guys have impressed, obviously. Uh, we know about Heinemann. We know Louis Skill. And you look at this team, uh, Ethan Horvath comes in. Obviously, he didn't have much to do against Panama, but you got to like their chances. They go, they're going yeah. up against a Honduras team now for the ticket to Rio. And, and Honduras is tricky. Let's not forget, for those who remember, uh, the Honduras team that was the same Honduras team they played in the Toulon tournament. Uh, that beat the U.S. and you know it's not the same exact team, but they, they've got some weapons there. So so we'll see how what kind of test they provide. But for me, the U.S. the way they look right now, I think they're going to win. Agree, hundred percent. Game will be on Saturday um, in Salt Lake City. And you're right. I mean, when you just look at the U.S. between Jordan Morris, I mean, we didn't even talk about the back line. Matt Miazga's looked pretty good. Cameron Carter Vickers. I mean, these are young guys. I was stepping up for the U23s. I mean, overall, the U.S. There's we don't want to overhype, but we're seeing some. You know, potentially some guys that could contribute at the senior level. It's, it's what you want to see out of the U23s. I mean, these guys is the last time um, for them to be playing at this age group. The next level is the senior national team. And, and you're right. I mean, from top to bottom, there's good players that you can pick out at at the multiple forward, midfield, uh, defense, and goalkeeper position throughout. And now it's time to talk about the game on Saturday, the CONCACAF Cup between U.S. Mexico at the Rose Bowl. Also joining us is best friend to the show, John Arnold. John, how's it going, buddy? It's good, man. I'm honored. I'm not quite at the BFFL status, but I'm getting there. <laughs> I don't know. I think he is. Ivis, is, is he there yet? He's, uh, he's been on a show. This is what, your second time or third time? Second time. Second time. Yeah, you're, you're not in the all-time rankings. I think Tim Howard and Andrew Farrell are still uh, tied it with three apiece in appearances. That's good company. You're, you're, you're leading all jur- – I think you're tied now with Franco for journalist appearances. Yeah, bad company. Which, you know. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so now we got to get him on. He's going to hear this. Oh, he's going to – yeah, he's going to – Franco's going to be very sad. Um, He's going to be more sad when I come out to L.A. You, me, and John out on the city tomorrow night, that's dangerous. Not for us, for everyone else. It's going to be a lot of problems. There's going to be a lot of Cosmos getting spilled. It's going to be problems. <laughs> we will be – we will – and for everybody, for anyone listening who's in Los Angeles, we will – the plan is we will be at the AO party. Uh, we get all our work done. We will be there. So We'll be there John physically. We'll be there for anyone in AO who wants to beat him up. Yeah, we'll fight me, AO. Yeah, actually, no. Please look, don't fight me. Don't, yeah, I'm, don't look, fight John. John John's John, so, right? John's so tiny. There. We're going to have court. We're going to have, we're gonna have <laughs> peaceful conversations. Hey, John, John, like John's a, a red-blooded American. He's just, you know. I'm wearing a, I'm wearing right now a Lone Star Beer trucker hat. Yeah, that's pretty damn American. That is so Texas of you, John. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll yes. I, everyone just check Ivis' Twitter. We'll be out on Friday night. We got to talk about the game. Game, obviously, is one of the biggest games in recent memory for the U.S. national team. Actually, probably you can go back to the World Cup last year against Belgium. That was a big game. This game, a year later, huge game. 
obviously, Ivis, when, when you look at this going into it, you've been around the team this week. You've been following. You've been out in LA. Um, what's the vibe that you've been getting from the U.S. players as they head into this game? Uh, it, it, you know what? As big a game as it is, as much as it's being hyped up, I don't really get. This is a veteran team, and you get the sense that. They're not at all overwhelmed by this this setting. I mean, I think they've all played. A lot of these guys played in the World Cup, obviously, and, and most of the starting lineup will be guys who were World Cup starters. So I, I don't think they're going to be overwhelmed by, by the the atmosphere. It's obviously going to be pretty intense. It's going to be pretty uh, intimidating. But, you know, for these guys, they've all, you know, they, they've all been in, in that show. So, I mean, that, that's the one thing about not having any new faces. I mean, mm-hmm. all these guys have been – Six, 16 guys run. sixteen guys on this roster were at the World Cup last year. Right. So, I mean, I think they'll be ready. I mean, the question is really going to be in terms of on the field, how they deal with how they deal with Mexico, how they are able to attack Mexico. Uh, there's so many question marks because, you know, this is the first time the U.S. has really been full strength since the World Cup. When you think about everybody, when you think about Fabian Johnson, Jermaine Jones, Bradley Dempsey, Altidore, uh, all of them together. Uh, there's because let's face it in the past year Beasley Beasley was a starter and looked so good at the World Cup it's you know they they give Klinsman credit man the guy's got you know he he's got some serious luck that he he's able to to keep this group together and so that's why when people talk about all the past results all the gold cup and how how does the U.S. really have a chance in this game when you look at the gold cup and how ugly that was this is a different team than the team that played in the gold cup Mm -hmm. think about the center back tandem that we'll probably see we'll probably see Jeff Cameron Matt Beasler neither of those guys uh, were in the lineup in the in the Gold Cup when when they had Alvarado and Brooks who were obviously a nightmare. Now all the all the games are over. Now Klinsman has to get serious. He has to put his best guys out there, and I think that group can actually get a win against the Mexican team that's going in as a favorite. Well, John Ivis just mentioned that Mexico is the favorite, which. Yes, you can agree on that. But on the other hand, I mean, you have an interim manager coming in. Um, lots of question marks with that. No De- Dos Santos. Um, is it really going to be a problem for Mexico this weekend? You're going to have a pro crowd, possibly Mexican crowd. But, I mean, Mexico heading into the game, they, they do have some question marks, John. Well, yeah, I think they're the favorite, but there are certainly questions. And I would say, you know, Ivis just mentioned how fit the United States is. Johnson is healthy. Bradley is healthy. Dempsey is healthy. Altidore is healthy. These guys are all in pretty decent form as well. When you look at the Mexican team, two of the players who I think Tuca Ferretti, the interim manager, would like to start, Andres Guardado and Rafa Marquez, two of the most experienced players, two players who have worn the captain's armband for L3, they're both coming off of injuries. I think Guardado's healthy. He played it for PSV this weekend. So, I mean, I think he's ready to go, but... Can he play the full 90? If the match goes to extra time, can he go to extra time? Rafa Marquez, he hasn't suited up in a while. So, I mean, I think it's a big question mark. And and really what Tuca does and how he lines up is going to depend on Marquez. And then after you get past the injuries, as you mentioned, they don't have Giotto Santos. They don't have Gaito Vasquez. Then you have players like Carlos Bella who are very talented, some of the best players in CONCACAF, but are not in great form. So there's definitely some questions. I still think Mexico's the favorite just based on the fact that they won the Gold Cup. They have a very talented roster. They have a lot of players coming in from Europe uh, who are in decent form, you know, with the exception of the guys that we mentioned. But there are questions. There's certainly questions. And I think, you know, when you look at this match, there's no clear favorite. I don't think anybody's going to run away with this one. Also because I think both managers are going to be cautious. It's a one-off match. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, easily could go into extra time and then go into penalties. When, when, when you look at the U.S. team right now, we know one thing's for sure. Brad Guzon is going to be starting in goal. Um, you know, we could possibly maybe pencil in Michael Bradley, Jermaine Jones, Clint Dempsey, maybe Josie Altidore. 
But um, when you look at the back line, I mean, Jurgen's going to have some interesting options here. I mean, you know Beasley's going to be out there. Um, you know that that uh, Fabian Johnson's going to be out there. I mean, the biggest question I have is who is going to be at center back on Saturday? I mean, could we see a combination of of Orozco, Ventura, Alvarado? I mean, could that actually happen? <laughs> what? what are you going to just leave with that? You're trying to... Are you trying to scare U.S. fans? Is, is I'm what? sorry. I'm sorry. Let me retake that. Ivis, could you have Brad Evans and Jonathan Spector at center back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought I was the one who was drinking tonight. Um, <laughs> if 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 Klinsman doesn't do anything crazy, we will see Fabian Johnson, Jeff Cameron, Matt Beasley, Demarcus Beasley. If all those guys are healthy, they have to st- that they have to start. They just have to. If now if Klinsman wakes up and just decides, screw it, I I just am invincible against Mexico. Then sure, maybe we'll we'll uh, you know we'll get Ventura Alvarado. T- t- time out. You got to say that in the voice if you're going to do that, Ivis. Uh, <laughs> come on, I'm trying to. I don't know. And it's funny. I've, I've actually we haven't even talked to Klinsman this entire week because he's not available. He talks on Friday. Uh, but I like Ventura Alvarado. Uh, no, I'm too I'm too drunk. I'm too drunk. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, back to the point. If he's gonna be, he's gonna play a streak with his with his defense, and I think it's a pretty de- pretty good defense. Beasler. He's playing well now. He obviously had his his whole issue when he was he went through that period where he was not in form and he was fatigued and he needed to kind of get back to his best. He's playing well now. Cameron is playing regularly at at center back, and you know I had a chance to talk to him about that, about how important it is uh, if to get games and have a run of games at that position in particular. And he said it. He said, "Yeah, you know, it's a unique position." Uh, where having that run of games just you just it's different than midfield. It's different than getting thrown in at the mid. If you get thrown in as a defensive midfielder, you can kind of adapt. Whereas at center back, the timing and the and the partnership with a, with your fellow center back and that understanding, it just you need those games to get that. He's gotten those games with Stoke City, and you know I think even though he hasn't really played with Beasley before in that role, I think he comes in on form, and I think they should be able to do well together. When you move up to the midfield, though, some question marks there as well. You could say Michael Bradley. You, you know what I want, Ivis. I want Michael Bradley, Jermaine Jones, and Kyle Beckerman all on the field at the same time. We know that's not going to happen. I mean, could we see Danny Williams possibly out there? Could we see Graham Zuzzi? I mean, what do you think? Uh, what do you think that will happen? Are you with just going to name the whole roster? Garrett just got a hold of the roster. You just on Wikipedia. <laughs> like, could we see this? Could we see this? Like, yeah, I mean, we could see it. Like, we could see okay. anything. We could see anything. Not, I don't know. You know what I want? I want I want Bradley Jones and Beckerman just a flat line of defensive mids. That's what I want. Well, you know, it was funny. It, it, one one. I don't think it'll happen, but I mean, maybe we'll see a Christmas tree. Maybe we'll go four three two one. Uh, we'll see Jones, Beckerman, Bradley across across in a three in front of them. Dempsey, uh, uh, Dempsey and Zardes, uh or Dempsey Bedoya, and then uh, in front of them you have uh, Altador. Um, but you know, I, I don't really think we'll see that, but that's just something to talk about Two The two options for me are one Be- you go with Beckerman in your lineup and you have him as that kind of security blanket in front of the defense. And I think having Beckerman in there allows, it gives Jermaine Jones the freedom to kind of roam around, which we saw obviously at the world cup. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a guy who he'll help defensively, but he, but he, I think he does better with that when he's allowed to have that freedom to attack. And I think having Beckerman in the lineup would, would do that. But then you're sacrificing a natural winger. Then you're going to have to sit either a Zardis or a Bedoya. So that's one option. The other option, obviously, is a not to play Beckerman and to just go Jones and Bradley in the middle. And we've seen in the past the issue with that is can Jermaine Jones be disciplined in that role and not spend too much time in an attacking role because him and Bradley 
you know, they have to find that balance. They have to have that kind of pulley system where one goes, one stays. Uh, in an ideal world, Jermaine Jones would just sit back and be the kind of the pit bull in front of the defense. But as we've seen in the past, he just doesn't stay home. He likes to roam around. So that's the question. Which way do you go if you're Klinsman? Do you, do you go with Beckerman or do you go without Beckerman? And up top, we should see some combination between Clint Dempsey and Josie Altador. John, when you look at the Mexico roster, what could we expect expect out of El Tri? Look, when you have – we talk about the United States defense and how, you know, Jurgen Clemson went with inexperience during the Gold Cup, the back line right now. Yeah, it looks like maybe Beasley Cameron in the middle, Beasley Johnson on the outside, but it's not really a settled group. It's not a group that we've seen play together that much, to be honest. Mexico will have a settled defense. You're going to have Miguel Leon play left back or left wing back, uh, depending on on how Mexico lines up. If Rafa Marquez is healthy, you're going to have Hector Moreno as one of the center backs. Diego Reyes is going to be one of the center backs. If Marquez is healthy, I think that Tuca plays five defenders with Paul Aguilar as the right wing back uh, and then three midfielders up front. The big question with Gaito Vasquez out is can Jonathan Dos Santos, the defensive portion, I guess, the center midfielder in the, in the three-man midfield, if he goes with that, uh, can he play defensively enough? There's a roster that was kind of reported as a possibility that has Andres Suarado, the MVP of the Gold Cup, mentioned his ankle injury, but uh, he's, he's played defender before. He's a very, very good player defensively. He could be in that destroyer role with maybe uh, Leun playing in the midfield, uh, Torres Nilo playing at left back. But I think you're going to see that that five in the back. I think you're going to see Andres Guardado, Hector Herrera, and Jonathan Dos Santos in the midfield. Up top, it's interesting because there are rumors that, that, that Tuca Ferretti wants to start Oribe Peralta, the Club America forward. I think that'd be a bit of a mistake because I think he's basically a Chicharito light. He gets in the right places. He can poach some goals. He can head in if he gets good service. But I think Chicharito can do all that and more. Um, and then next to him, you could have Raul Jimenez. You could have Carlos Vela. Neither of those players are getting great, uh, are, are really in great form in Europe. Uh, Jimenez is not getting that many minutes. But Ferretti seems to like him. He played him in both of the friendlies that he managed in September. So I think you'll see Mexico in that 5-3-2 that, that I kind of laid out there. Um, it's what they're comfortable with after the Miguel Herrera era. And the personnel kind of suits up for it. So I think that's what you're looking at with Mexico uh, against the U.S. And, you know, it's, it's a lineup that could create challenges. Now, John, we do have to talk about one guy. Uh, and I know some of these players, uh, the U.S. fans and some of our listeners may have, have no idea who you're talking about. But Gaito, who's hurt, he's there. He, he was the one right kind of pit bull defensive midfielder that they had. Now that they don't have him, they're going to be missing that defensive element. But Gio DeSantos isn't there. He probably wasn't going to play even if he got hurt. The one guy that we have to talk about is Corona, Tecatito, who right. is probably the most informed player for Mexico. John, tell us a little about him for the for the people who don't know much about Well, yeah, him. you look at Jesus Tacatito Corona. He's a really young player from Mexico. He went to both Copa America and Gold Cup this summer. He was the best player for me uh, for Mexico at Copa America. He was one of the more exciting players at the Gold Cup. He's a guy who can play on the wing. He can play forward. Uh, he's scored four goals for Porto in four league matches. So he's come in. Uh, he transferred from the Dutch league for, from FC Twente, where he was like the seventh winger in line before last season, won all the way up to a sprouting spot. And now you see him playing regularly with Porto. It's a big step up, and he's made big waves. And he's the kind of player who's in, in good enough form to where I think Ferretti is going to have to play him. What I think might happen, Ivis, is that when you look at Andres Guardado and his fitness, I'm not convinced his ankle ligaments can hold up for all 90 minutes of the game, and especially if that game goes to extra time. Tecatito does have experience on the left side as a winger, so I think maybe you hold Tecatito out of your starting lineup, put him on when you need a goal, when you need a spark. 
or if the match goes to extra time and, and you got some money right there. But he could force his way into the starting role. We'll see. I'll tell you what. If, I, if I'm if i your Klinsman, and I don't even think Klinsman needs to say it, but I'm pretty sure him and Jermaine Jones will have that conversation. And it's going to be like the conversation in the Karate Kid when uh, the Cobra Kai uh, leader tells his guy, look, like he's got to go down. And that's what's going to happen. I think Jermaine Jones is going to go at Andres Guardado and make his life to live in hell in that game because, obviously, he's very important to everything Mexico does. And even if he's able to play, we know he's not 100%. We all saw the injury he suffered against Manchester United, and it was a quick turnaround. And I know he's recovered enough to play, but he's not 100%. And we know how Jermaine Jones is. We know how physical he is. Hopefully he can avoid a red card for their sake, but I think he's going to go after Guardado. All right, Ivis, when you look at this game on Saturday, what are some of the matchups that you're looking forward to? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, we don't know who the forwards are going to be for Mexico, but if it is Chicharito uh, in the lineup, which seems like it's a safe bet, I want to see Chicharito against Matt Beezer again. Uh, we all remember uh, we've seen the matchup before. Beezer in Azteca did an excellent job against him. Uh, for me, he, you could have argued Beezer was man of the match in the 0-0 down in Azteca in 2013, and uh, he, if Chicharito's a handful, man, and I, I asked Beezer about him, and Beezer pointed out that look, this is this is the guy who doesn't let you take a playoff. He's making runs every single time. He is trying to he is trying to slip in behind you every time. He's tireless. And Beezer, you know, he, he of the center back options, he he actually is the quickest. So he is the one guy who can deal with it. So if that's the matchup, the U.S. needs him to win it again because if if not, then Chicharito could finally score his first goal against the U.S. John, what are you looking forward to? I'm going to say the entire Mexican left side against the entire Mexican right side. You know, I've just talked a little civil bit about yeah, you said, just a civil <laughs> war. No, I've, uh, United States right side. There you go. We'll go with the United <laughs> States right side. I've just talked a little bit about uh, Andres Guardado maybe going up against Jermaine Jones. Jermaine Jones never wants to shy away from a physical tackle. Guardado with those those ankle ligaments that are a bit of a question. I think Miguel Leon is fascinating too. You know, we'll see if he plays in midfield or at left back. I think he'll end up in the left wing back role. Um, he gets forward really well. Sometimes when he gets forward, he sprays balls to you know the 10th row of the stadium. But sometimes he puts pinpoint crosses in. And I think how Fabian Johnson copes with that, how just the right side of the United States is able to cope with him getting forward as much as he likes is, is a big key to the match when you look at... Uh, at where Mexico is dangerous, and especially if Guardado is healthy, you know, how he gets forward and, and the service he provides as well. When you look at Mexico, you have Chicharito. If Oribe Peralta plays, uh, you have Oribe. You know, those players, even Raul Jimenez, they really can't produce much for themselves. That's why I think Gio dos Santos' absence hurts Mexico, because really the only forward you have that can create anything without a, a heavy load of assistance is Carlos Vela. He's not in great form. He might not play. So I think uh, how the United States is able to deny or not able to deny service is a big key for this match. You know, I, I mean, I wrote this for Goal, uh, Goal.com, and I really think the U.S. is going to try to force Mexico wide. And they'll be happy with them uh, working the wings and putting, trying to put service in just because I think if you have Cameron in central defense, you have Brad Guzan in goal. I mean, the guy is a, is a beast out there. I mean, he is a guy who can actually absolutely eat up service that comes in. Uh, I think I think you'd rather deal with that than deal with either a Corona, or Tecatito, uh, or, or Guardado, or even Hector Herrera. Any of those guys coming at you straight on, uh, like we've seen in the past, where Gio dos Santos is just eating you up, going at you. Um, I think they'd rather deal with the wings and let Fabian Johnson and Beasley defend, and let Braguzan just swallow everything up that comes in service-wise. So for me, uh, yeah, those those are going to be some fun matchups because you know Mexico has some good fullbacks. 
And I think the U.S. They also they also if those guys are healthy, Beasley and Johnson, they're good as well. Because I know you guys are going to ask me. I'm going to let you know. I'm looking forward to watching Chicharito against the U.S., especially on set pieces and especially at the end of the game. I know Chicharito is not a player that's going to go out and create goals from. I mean, he create goals for himself. He's going to have to rely on, um, on deception, being in the right place at the right time. I'm going to be paying attention to see how the U.S. will adapt to where he will be. I mean, because just you know how Chicharito is. He just always seems to find a goal, and you're thinking, ah, oh, Chicharito's done. Scores a goal, makes you realize how 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 good of a player. He can be, and how good a player he was even just a couple years ago. That's what I'm going to be paying attention to. Uh, I need a prediction, Ivis. What do you think? Score? Who's going to score? What do you think is going to happen on Saturday? It's a tough one, man. It's a very tough one because, like we said, we don't know who, who either team's going to go with in the starting lineup. Um, but, I, it, you know, coming in, I said Mexico was a favorite. Uh, they have so many guys who are, who are playing well right now. Chicharito's getting regular playing time. Tecatito's playing well. Um I'm going to still go the U.S. just because uh, as much as – I mean, I was there in 2011 for the Gold Cup final, and, and the U.S. came out firing, and then the Steve Trundle injury happened, and everything went to crap. And, you know, Bornstein was was uh, hung out to dry and it just thoroughly abused by everybody in Mexico's lineup. Uh, if the U.S. can can stay healthy, I, I think they'll win. I think, I think they have – uh, familiarity in their group. I think uh, obviously that nucleus that's played at the World Cup. It, it, if if it's the any either of the lineups that we've talked about, those are all World Cup players. I mean, I know Guzan didn't play. Tim Howard played in the World Cup, but the rest of the guys are all World Cup players. They've been on the big stage. They've played together, and I think that's an advantage that they're going to have uh, over over Mexico, especially a Mexico team playing for a new coach who's still, you know, he's only had a couple of games to implement his system. Uh, Mexico is the favorite. They should win. But I, I think because of that, because of the familiarity, I think the U.S. wins. I'm going to go 2-1. to one. I'm not going to say 2-0. I'm going to go 2-1. to one. Michael Bradley, because he always does it in the big game against Mexico. I'm going to go Michael Bradley with a goal. Angels, Yatoro with a goal. John, what do you think? I like those goal scores for the United States. I think they'll get those. I also think Mexico will score, too. I think that when you look at the United States back line, it's it's a it's a good unit, um, but I think the the Mexican attack, especially with the way they can get forward from the back, uh, with the way they can hit quickly on, on the counter if they need to, uh, I think they can get forward. I'm going to go with two two. I'm going to go with a, a Tecatito late winner in extra time, just because it's fun. Three two, wild match. Rose Bowl is going nuts. And uh, that's my my wild guess. I think we're gonna have. To, I think someone's gonna ask for John Arnold's passport because nah, I mean, he picks Mexico. He's 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 tripping on uh, Ao. I mean, I don't know. I'm I mean, look, I'm totally look, kidding. If you, uh, this is what happened. John moved to, to Tijuana. John moved down to Mexico, <laughs> and look at that. Boom! Instantly, John is like, "Screw America! I'm living in Tijuana You're now. Right. Pro Mexican. Right. Come on, John." Right. He's, he's changed his name to Juan. He's Juan Arnold. <laughs> right. Juan Arnaldo. Yeah, yeah. Juan Arnaldo. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> yes. Juan no, I mean, <laughs> not, but now you got to go to DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever you play, and uh, and you got to put a bet against whatever I said because I'm usually not right with predictions. I'm not very good at them. I'm going to say three to two. U.S. wins in extra time, and my oh, so goal my scores. Score my goal scores are going to be Clint Dempsey, Brad Guzan in the 93rd minute when the U.S. gets a corner. He comes up and scores on a header. Okay. Now you're just being. And then Michael Bradley scores the winning goal in extra time. Okay. I, 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 you know what? Bradley with the winner, I don't have a problem. No. Oh, by the way, I changed it. I'm changing my score. You can't I'm, do not that. My score. No, because no, I, I already had it in my hand. It's going to be 2 to 1. It's going to be 2 to 1. I, I'm not sticking with that. 
USA 2-1. But he's also mm-hmm. going to say that Brad Guzan scores. Michael Bradley, yeah. Michael Bradley scores the first because that's what he does. And the winner, late in the second half, Chris Wondolowski off the bench. Redemption. Oh, stop it. That's Redemption reckless. Redemption for the World Cup. Chris Wondolowski. And then and it will be a, a Disney movie of the week on TV or something because someone will have to write that script because it, it's just going to happen. It's I just going to happen. Wondolowski. I love the Disney movie of the week. Wondolowski is going to score the winner. Watch. Reckless. Reckless, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. Guzan scoring is not reckless. Yeah. <laughs> Wondolowski is slightly more reasonable. Bobby Wood isn't on the roster, but I heard he has been training with the U.S. Maybe he gets one. <laughs> hey, if there's an injury, I think he can, he can be on the roster. Ooh, ooh. All right, hey, guys. Hey, Alejandro Bedoya is sick, by the way, so we don't know what's going on there. I mean, he should play. He should play. Oh, please. You have to be on your – come on. He has to be on his deathbed for him to not, not play in this he, game. He'll, well, yeah. Or, well, I mean, if he starts. It's not a guarantee he'll start. Alejandro Bedoya flu game. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Before we close up the show and I let you guys go for the night, anything else we need to discuss, Ivis? I think that's it, man. I mean, it's, it should be a great game. Uh, one thing we did here, we have been hearing, is that it should be a better split U.S.-Mexico fans. It's still going to be pro-Mexico. Um we're hearing a lot about 60-40 Mexico. I think it's probably going to be closer to 70-30, 75-25. But that's still better than what it was in, in the Rose Bowl in 2011 when it felt like it was like 90-10. to 90-10 uh, pro-Mexico. So so we'll see. Hopefully it's 60-40 because, you know what, that, that would add, I think that would be an amazing atmosphere and, and provide some balance for both teams. And, and uh, you know, I, I, don't think the, I don't think the crowd's going to really affect either team, but it's still just going to add to the atmosphere. One thing that I do think uh, off the pitch that could affect the teams is is the fact that for some reason it's unseasonably hot uh, uh, here in Los Angeles and Pasadena. It's supposed to be 95 is the high. I think Ooh. it'll be like 92, 93 at game time. So, I mean, both these teams are used to that. You know, CONCACAF teams are used to playing in the heat, but you, you might see some more fatigue. And honestly, I think that's an advantage for the U.S. because, as I mentioned, Mexico is not really coming in in the best fitness. So, well, well maybe that's why they trained in uh, at altitude, right? We all kept hearing about, oh, they trained at altitude. That's going to be an advantage. Yeah, it's just like US one person can't. in our I, chat. I, 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 whatever. It's probably a million of them. No, but you know what? Hey, if Mexico wears the black unis, you know what? Black unis in the heat. Right. Oh, it might be. They advantage. also have white. They also have some white unis. No, but the, if the U.S. wears the white. The U.S. True. wears the white. Mexico in the white. heat, that's... it's 6.30. The sun will be down by 7. It's. Are you even here? You're not here, man. It's hot. It was hot today. Yeah, hot. Bro, I live in Phoenix. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, Phoenix it was is... it was humid too. If Phoenix were right by where we are, you would be here. <laughs> I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> okay. I'm driving out in my uh in my bomb ass Mazda, dude. It's gonna be great. My nice. my hit up the casino on the way. If I if I if I win some money at the casino, then you definitely know tomorrow night is gonna be a rage fest. Bottles on you. That I don't know about that, but I'll buy I'll buy you a couple drinks. Nice. Pints on you. <laughs> All right, guys. Ivis, John. John, thank you for being on the show today, man. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course. Ivis, anything else, man? I think we're all done? I think that's it, man. We uh, Unfortunately, we were not able to do a uh, an SBI show meetup. Uh, we, there, there was just no interest. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, our, our reach in L.A. is not as strong as we were hoping for. But, uh, no, it's uh, it should be good. I mean, the to be quiet, to be fair, it's been quiet around here. I mean, I mean, obviously we've been in Irvine. There haven't been any Mexico fans trying to crash U.S. practices. There's been more cops than than actual fans at these things. But uh, it, I'm looking forward to this weekend, man. I want to see how how much things have evolved for for the U.S. fan base and if they really are going to bring some noise this time and really uh, bring a presence to this game. And 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 hopefully they can because that. Uh, that needs. I feel like that. You know, that need, you kind of need that to happen, right? You you, you can't have Mexico 
having a 90 to 10 edge uh, in a game like this. So we'll see if the if the U.S. fans come out in force. I think they will. And uh, I'm looking forward to a great game, man. I think it's, um, you know, I, I don't think it, the teams will be a little timid at first. I think they're going to be, uh, they're not going to be free flow. There's not going to be free flowing attacking soccer in the beginning. I think there's, uh, there's going to be some pragmatic defensive soccer in the beginning. But I think this is going to be a hell of a game, man. These games always are, man. There's always, there's just that added spice of this route. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. All right, John, I'll see you tomorrow. Ivis, I will also see you tomorrow. You guys have a good night. Sounds good. <laughs> Don't answer all at one time. <laughs> As always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the reviews, the comments. If you want to hang out with Ivis and myself, or if you want to beat up John Arnold, we'll be at the American Outlaws party tomorrow night. For John Arnold, Ivis Glarsep, I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBS Show.